Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Well, this Advent, we have... Our series have been looking at the Gospels, and uh, we are in our second week of that. Last week we looked at Matthew's Gospel, and, and, and the way we're using them, the first part of these books is to say, how do these people introduce Jesus? If, if we were to introduce to Jesus, Jesus to someone, how would we do it? And Well, we have four examples of, of guys who made choices and how they would introduce Jesus if they could. And Matthew starts it out like an accountant, like the tax collector he was, and he gives us a record, and he gives us Jesus' genealogy, and he builds it all the way from Abraham, all the way down through David and through the exile to when Jesus comes on the scene and, and then gives the description of what happens when Joseph and Mary discover that Mary is pregnant and... This is from God. This is what God's choice was. And so we have this picture of Jesus coming to this world in this special way. And Now when Mark, which is the second of our Gospels, approaches it, uh, he skips the infancy altogether. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of uh, John Grisham's novel, Skipping Christmas. John Grisham, a great novelist, has wrote tons of books uh, kind of around uh, lawyers and, and the, the world that they live in and all kinds of wonderful challenging mystery novels, and, uh, but he writes some quirky books as well, and Skipping Christmas is one of them, and, and in Skipping Christmas, the cranks, well, their, their child is going off to Peru with the Peace Corps, and they just, they don't even feel like dealing with Christmas this year, so they're going to skip it all together, and they kind of added up all the money they spent on Christmas the year before, and it was in the thousands of dollars, and they said, let's just not spend any of that and let's go on a cruise. <laughs> They're going to skip it all together. Well, you almost get that sense from Mark. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to spend any time with this. I'm going right into the story, and, and we're going we're to encounter Jesus, not as a baby, but when he comes onto the scene right after John the Baptist. And so that's what we have. And we have in, in Mark's gospel an action-filled gospel. You have this repeated use of the word, immediately this happened, and then it's like, boom, 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 all these things are happening. When he introduces Jesus to us, here it is. This is what he's about, and this is why he's important. So if you have your Bibles, if you'd open up to Mark chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 1 through 20. And again, how is he introducing Jesus to us? Mark chapter 1, verse 1 starts off this way. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. 
After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert. And he was in the desert forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Well, there's a sense in, in, in Mark's gospel that you can just keep going. I mean, there's just like this no disconnect between where the story is going. It moves and moves and moves and moves. He goes on there from beginning some of the miracles that he has, and, and you have all this action-packed stuff that's going on. And so when Mark begins his gospel, when he says, let me introduce you to Jesus from my perspective, he gives a picture of what's, what life and faith is about. But he starts it off, it's like, here's the beginning of the good news or the gospel about Jesus Christ. And he talks about a plan that God had put in place. He has a couple quotes, one from Isaiah and one from Malachi. And, and both of them speak about someone who is going to come, a messenger who's going to go ahead of the Son of God to prepare the way for him. And so Mark says, okay, there's a plan here. God has a plan. It started back hundreds of years ago. Something's going to happen. And the thing that helps us know what's happening is there's going to be a messenger. And so then Mark moves us directly right on to John comes onto the scene. Now, we don't have all these proclamations about who John was and where he came from as we do in, in Luke's gospel. We'll see that in a couple weeks. No. We have a fully grown John. We don't know where he came from, but we know he is in the desert. And while he's in the desert, he is calling people out to themselves. And people are leaving the cities and the countryside to go to him on the Jordan River, listening to this guy. There's this guy out there speaking, and he's, he's baptizing people. And the curiosity factor, the guiding of the Spirit for some, what is going on here? And Mark's saying, this is part of this story. This is part of this plan. As God was looking towards this time for the bringing of Jesus, these elements are important. You see, when we look at the Gospels, we know what we're getting into, right? And, and, and certainly Mark has this sense for us as well. There's, there's these wonderful stories that we who have faith and have come to know this, is like, this, 
this is so awesome. Even at the beginning, look at all that's there. We're just, this, this is so great to review and think about. This is what God had been planning, and this is how it came about. And again, for believers, this is something we, just, we can latch on to. And, and yet I, I try and think of those who were there, those who were listening to, to John the Baptist, and as he was speaking about, well, this is his message, that the one who is coming after me, who's, I'm, I'm unworthy to tie his sandals. I baptize you with the water here in the Jordan River. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And it makes you wonder, what were they thinking as he said that? What were they anticipating? What's going to happen next? I think there's these two parts of this story. One, for us who know what's going on, is like, duh, come on. It's obvious, but it's only obvious for us because we know the end of the story. And for Mark, as he wants to introduce us and to remind us of all that happened, but also for those who don't know him, he's saying, this is important. God had a plan. And the plan starts coming about with John. Well, then Jesus emerges on the scene. And again, there's no pronouncement to Mary. There's no discussion of Mary at all. We don't know who Jesus is other than Mark identified him at the beginning. He is the Son of God. The beginning of the gospel of the Son of God. The Messiah was this messenger. And now Jesus shows up on the scene. And he's baptized by John, which, okay, if John is unworthy to to tie his sandals, why is he baptizing him? We have a description of that in, in, in the other Gospels. John or Mark doesn't tackle that for us. He sa- it just says it happens. And as it happens, we see something else occur. As Jesus comes out of the water, it says that, that the heavens are torn open and, and the Spirit descends on him like a dove. These are, are, are great descriptive sentences and, and they just make our imagination run, don't they? What was that like to... For the heavens to open, and maybe gives us a picture of heaven that's even different than what we sometimes think of. Sometimes we think it's way up there in the sky, right? That's you know, the, there's the cosmonaut who went up into the the space and looked around and said, oh, "There's no God out here." Obviously, that's got to be false. And and yet, for Mark, when he describes this. It's as if reality has this, this shift in dimension, that there's this unseen world that's not far from us at all. And the revelation comes and in this visual, like a dove, the spirit come descending upon him. And if that wasn't enough, this voice, the voice of no angels here going to shepherds. Again, that's in Luke's gospel. The pronouncement comes from God himself. You are my son, whom I love. Mark's saying, what's happening here, this is, this is supernatural. Something spiritual is going on here, and, and God himself is active and involved in this story. And so as I introduce Jesus to you, there's all this stuff from the past that was anticipated, and here are some of the signs that all this thing's starting to happen. John does come. He is the messenger. And then Jesus comes. And, 
And God confirms that this is him. This happens. Mark was probably a young man at the time of Jesus' death. There's a description of him in 14. We think it's a description of him. When, when, when Jesus was seized and others were seized, a young man was seized as well, was captured, and, and to escape, he kind of scoots out of his clothes and runs away naked. And oh, we think probably that's Mark's description of himself in there. But, but Mark becomes one of the disciples of of the Lord Jesus, not one of the twelve, but certainly a disciple and follower. He, uh, he, he, he is part of the, the story, we think probably in Acts chapter 12, when Peter goes to his house, and, and he sound, if it's the same one, he's a cousin of Barnabas, and he is traveling with Paul and Barnabas at some point, and he abandons them, and wanted to, to be restored and come back, and and Paul was so angry with them, he wanted nothing to do with them. And, and uh, it talks about this in, again in Acts, that there, there was a dispute so strong between Paul and Barnabas that they split ways, and, and Mark goes off with Barnabas. It's like, okay, who is this guy? Why does he have a right to write this gospel? Well, as the story goes on, he gets restored. And so much so that, that in, in, in Timothy and in Colossians, Paul speaks highly of Mark and who he is, that he should be welcomed or that he should be sent to him because he longs for him. Peter mentions him at the end of his letter in 1 Peter 5 and and describes him as my son Mark. And what we think we have in Mark's gospel is Peter's as his source, that he spends time with Peter and Peter talks about the days I remember when I came to Jesus, when I, when, I, when I first discovered him. And he would have told him about this time when he was fishing along the shores. And, and, and he called us to come and we came. And, and probably the first of the Gospels. We're not certain on that, but it's the shortest of the Gospels, certainly. And again, it's this action-packed thing. And it says Mark is saying, hey, this is Jesus And as he's come on the scene, people knew a big deal was happening. And then immediately he's sent out to the desert. And Jesus faces the opposition. Tempted by Satan in the wilderness 40 days. And the wild animals are there and he's attended by the angels. And after this season of of difficulty, distress... He begins and launches his work. And he begins to to go around telling people, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. I think the picture Mark is giving us of what he wants us to see right at the outset about who Jesus was is, again, this is a plan that God had. The way had to be prepared for him. He comes on the scene. This is a God thing. God is active and involved with this. He is with Jesus from the beginning. He is helping orchestrate all the things that that transpire before and through it. And as he begins his ministry, God is at work. God has come to this world. And now there's a mission to begin. 
And this mission needs help. Jesus, as opposed to John, John, people come out looking for him in the desert. Jesus goes looking for disciples. And, and he sees fishermen. And he says, come follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. And so Peter and Andrew, they follow him. James and John, without delay, they left their father Zebedee and their hired men, and he followed him. Mark wants us to see that as we walk the life of faith, the Savior that we follow is one that God has sent to us. That his power is the one that is working in him. And what we're going to see as you read through the rest of the Gospel of Mark is that, that he's going to be who he says he is. That his power will be shown. That people will be healed and demons will be driven out. And, and he will speak with words that, like, this guy does not speak with other people's authority. He speaks like he knows what he's talking about. There's something about this guy. That's who Jesus is. As we prepare our houses and our homes and our schedules at this Christmas time, it's important for us to remember that in, in the gospel story, God's doing a work. This work is going to be God-directed, but it's not going to be without its difficulties or challenges. As Jesus faced the temptations of the adversary in the desert, as the first disciples were called to leave their lives to follow him, uh, there certainly is a sense that this is important. Important enough that all of your life needs to orient itself around this. That in this picture of the heavens being revealed for that instant is not way up there but opened up before Jesus. There's more to this world than just this physical life. God's spirit is at work. And this work is happening in you and in us, through us. And as we live our lives, we can think it's all about the gifts. It's all about making enough. It's all about what's comfortable. But that's not the gospel story. The gospel story is that the good and loving God is entering this world to to face evil, but also to bring his goodness. And so this day, as we look at this story, not through the unknowing eyes of those who first heard it, but as Mark brings this story, knowing who Jesus is, knowing what he's done, and as we who've lived this and experienced this and ex received his goodness and his graciousness. There's a call to live it out with challenges, with difficulties, 
with the Spirit of God. Wherever it goes, Mark has Jesus going here, there, and on the move. Your life is more than just this place. It is also more than just your workplace or your home life. The Spirit of God in you goes through this world. And that's our call. To be his disciples no matter where we are, no matter where we're going, no matter what we're facing. This is action time. This is not a boring, dull life, but the life of the Spirit being lived in and through us. Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, we, we, we stand here in the midst of many symbols of, of this time of year. And many of these symbols uh, are, are cultural symbols about the, the end of the year and celebration and goodness. And, and yet we, we know these symbols to be about you coming and, and being part of our world. Thank you for Mark and for the ways you worked in him and that that he did face adversity. He did fail the church at some point and yet was restored and, and brings this word as he spent time with our brother Peter. And thank you for the way that he introduces Jesus to us, that you have a plan, that you are working that plan. You did it before when Jesus came and you continue to do it even this day because your spirit is alive. And as we know at the end of the story, you rise again and death does not defeat you. you. Even though you went through the difficulty and hardship of the cross, you rose again and you demonstrated who you are. And now we know you will come again. And that's what we anticipate. Spirit of God, move in our hearts and our lives. Help us to, to see that there's more to this life and even our interactions with one another than just this world. But that your world is breaking in through your spirit. That's what we anticipate. That's what we look forward to. That's what we cry out for in these times of, of disease and war. We need your help. Come. Guide us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.